Good morning, and we'll continue in our worship together uh, through the study and of God's Word. If you'd open your Bibles, please, to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua 3. Joshua follows the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, we're just going to spend a little bit of time with it. Not a huge long series. Uh, we're just going to take a look at a couple of important things that happen to the life of the Israelites. Uh, as I was praying and reflecting about what is it that God would want to communicate to us as we continue to move forward in reflection of Easter and reflection of God's uh, goodness revealed to us uh, in Christ, uh, and also, uh, you know, not just the church calendar, but our own calendar of just how God is moving in our hearts and our lives. We've studied the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, Deuteronomy uh, tells the story of Moses getting the Israelites ready to cross the Jordan. And the book of Joshua is Moses dying and Joshua being appointed to take the Israelites across the Jordan. Now this morning, uh, before, we, um, before we continue in the, in the reading of God's word, I just want to reflect on something. And it was in my studies uh, that I came across a, a sort of counselor and counselee conversation. And uh, the conversation was, and, and I hesitate using this as an illustration because it, it's probably relatively sensitive and personal because a lot of people go through this. Uh, but what the counselor was asking and what the counselee was going through was uh, why they were there was the grievance of a lost loved one. They had been married for over 50 years and the spouse had went to the counselor to say, I am grieving this, I recognize I'm grieving this and I, and I need some help. And the skilled counselor asked the question, and the question was, what is it that you would like to do now, and what do you look forward to doing? And the counselee, the one who was going through this pain, became instantly angry. And the counselor knew what they were doing, because they were speaking right directly to the hurt the brokenness and the feeling of what was going on. And so then the counselor asked the follow-up question. Why did that question hurt you? Because we could ask anyone that question and say, what would you like to do? And that is not a, an offensive question, right? Like you should be like, yeah, I want to go to the park or I want to go, if you're me, you want to go get pizza. Like that's what you want to do. But to someone who is grieving, someone who is going through that heartache and that hurt, to ask the question, what do you want to do now? Well, you don't have an answer for that question because to do anything now, to move forward is to say, I have forgotten this person. I don't want to dishonor them. I don't want to forget what they've done for me, what I've done with them. I have too many memories with them. And so for me to move forward, to me, for me to move forward is to dishonor the relationship and the friendship and the memory and it it's to forget them that's the fear and what i want to say to us is today joshua chapter 3 and 4 is speaking speaking to all of our hearts about what do we do now let's pray god we love you and we know we know that uh, you are with us we know you love us we know that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. 
as our hope, our living hope, our salvation. We've honored that. We recognize that with our words and our worship and our time in communion. And soon, God, we will have to show that to be true. You invite us to walk with you. You invite us to seek you and your kingdom. You invite us to be a part of your family. Lord, you've broken down the walls of hostility. You've broken down the wall of sin that separated us. You've been victorious over death. And you invite us into a life with you and a life together. And Lord, we love you. And we want to seek you. So I ask God that you would open our hearts now. Open us to your word. Help us to see ourselves in the grand story of what you're doing in this world, to know that we are a church that represents you, that we're a church that's a sign for your love in this world, that we're a church that points people to your grace and your mercy, that we're a church, uh, Lord, that uh, stands on the sacrifices and love of, of hundreds, if not thousands of people before us who have given much and sacrificed much, who have loved you much. Lord, we want to continue in the story of a people who have wholeheartedly given our hearts to you. Help us now, Lord, to be open to your spirit and where you're leading your church. We love you, God, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. What is it that you want to do now? Joshua, Joshua was told by God, it's you now. It says, Moses, uh, my servant, is dead. That's how Joshua starts. Moses is dead, and now it's you, Joshua. It's you. It's your time to move forward. And Joshua is, I would imagine, heartbroken. The guy he's just spent years and years and years with, and now it's all on him. But we know God told Joshua, it's, it's for you now to be strong and courageous. And it's not because you, Joshua, are so strong and courageous on your own, it's because God is with you. That the Lord is present with you and you can move forward. And the time now has come for the Israelites finally to cross the Jordan. It just so happens it's in flood stage. And we'll pick up in our story in Joshua chapter 3. Early in, jo- early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Lord. Uh, went to the Jordan. I don't know where that came from. Went to the Jordan. Man, there might be like a counseling session there for me. What is wrong with me? Okay, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do, got, do not go near it. Now, if you're following along, kids, there's a little letter next to the cubits. Mine's the letter C. I don't know what you have. And if you find the little fine print, it says that's about 3,000 feet that's about 10 football fields. That's how far the ark was to go in front of them. Joshua, talk to your mom later. She'll show you. Joshua told the people, 
Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took, uh, took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Do you want me to repeat that one, or are we good? Yes? All right. Okay, I will. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant, they went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge. The waters from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan. They stood on dry ground, and while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed, the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number on the, of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in, fu in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua had been done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. And as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched, 
the men of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of all the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That's one of my favorite Bible stories. It's really great on flannel graph. It plays really well. I mean, it just, they move along and the waters part, you know, you replace the river with the parted waters and it's propped up. I mean, the flannel graph really sells the story. Um, But this story is about people finally crossing over and receiving something that God had started 40 years, if not 400 years before that, if not 1,000 years before that. That when he called Abraham and he said, Abram, I am going to make you into a great nation. And it was just Abram and Sarai. And this story is one of those stories where it's like there is no way that this is possible unless God is at work and God is present and God is moving in their life. And so God is watching over the Israelites and there is finally this moment when God says to Joshua that the time is now for you to cross over and finally enter into the promised land. When I look at our text this morning, there are a few things that stand out to me about How do we prepare ourselves to walk with God? How do we prepare ourselves to go where God is taking us next? How do I open myself up to what what God is doing? Am am I one that, that I am opening my heart, asking God, use me, take me where you want me to go. Use me for your glory and your honor. If that's a question that you're asking, but you're not really sure how to fill out the answers or how to put yourself into that posture, well, what Joshua does is when he is listening to the Lord, he says a couple of things to him that we really need for us as a church. And it will always be true that we need God to lead us and care for us. And that's exactly what the Israelites do. They look at, they look at uh, to Joshua and he, and he says to them, okay, the Lord, they're going to take the Ark of the Covenant and it's going to be 3,000 feet in front of us. You know, if you're traveling behind someone and you're, you're doing the dreadful, you know, like drive like to a new place and you're following them along, like generally speaking, you don't let them go 3,000 feet in front of you, right? You want to, you know, be right there. Well, so it's kind of like, well, God, why are you so far in front of them? And there was a little bit of a practical piece to it, but there's a theological piece to it too. He had to be, they had to be so far ahead because it's not like one person was following the ark. There were thousands of people, so they had to have the perspective. So there's the practical piece, but there's also the theological piece. And it says there in the text that they didn't know the way that they were going, but you know who did was the Lord. And so it's a theological piece that the Lord is going where he has already been and they are going to have to follow and trust him because they've never been there before on their own. And so it's a trust factor. It's to say God knows where he's going. God knows what he's doing. And so very practically before they ever enter into the new land, they have to be a group of people who have the posture in their hearts that says, I'm going to look to where God is leading And if we're honest, if I'm honest with myself, 
usually it goes something like this. God, I got a really good idea. Why don't you come along here with me? I know you. And if I look at the heartache and the difficulty and the frustrations of my life, when I walk into a brick wall trying to bring God along, he might as well just say to me, why don't you stop doing that and trust in me? And so the Israelites, from the very get-go, in their relationship with God, he is saying, we, we need to follow the presence of the Lord. Where he is leading, we should follow. Where his steps go, we need to follow and step. And so we follow the path, and we get the perspective from the Lord to say, okay, we need to turn left, at, left here and uh, you know, take a right at Albuquerque, and we're there. There's at least two Bugs Bunny fans in the world. That's good. All right. Okay. Pay attention, kids. So God is saying, give the distance. Give the separation so that we can have the perspective of seeing where is God leading? Where is God taking? What are the steps that we are to take? It won't work for the Israelites if they don't get perspective. It won't ever work for us, the church, if we don't let God lead. And so it's that sort of posture of saying, we're going to wait on the Lord. And I know that you guys are all great at waiting. So just keep it up. Keep waiting on the Lord. And so then the, the next piece of the, of the story, it, it, shows, uh, it shows the Israelites having to sort of trust, uh, trust in God in this first step. But then it's also... Um, well, I had it, and now I lost it. It's, uh, it. They trust in the Lord. And then that, it says you have to consecrate yourselves to the Lord. You have to consecrate yourselves. And that's not a word that we use anymore. But it's this moment that Joshua says, you don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. But you can do something about the very present moment today. Consecrate your lives to the Lord now because he's going to do something special tomorrow. And my struggle has been the sort of waiting on the Lord, waiting for him to lead, but then also the sort of struggle of the distraction and the ADHD of my, my everyday life, which you experience in sermons all the time that I would be so distracted from God and his word and a relationship with him, that I would be distracted from the, the things that might consecrate my life to the Lord now. And all that, it's a fancy $30 word to say that you give your heart and your life to God. That you wake up in the morning and you say, God, this is your day, a day that you've given me, and I'm going to fill it with your joy and your love and your presence. I am yours and the sin in my life, and the brokenness, and the hurt, and the anger, and all of these things that are within me, God, would you forgive me so that I can forgive the people I need to forgive today? Would you wash me clean so that I can, I can uh, get rid of the, just the things that are so bad and tearing me apart? God, I give you my life so that today you would give your heart to God so that tomorrow he, he will excite you with something new. You don't know what the Lord's going to do tomorrow, but today he's asking for your heart. Will you give it to him? Will you give it to him? 
And so finally they're like, yeah, okay, let, all right, so we, so we wait for God to go and lead us. We consecrate our hearts to him. And then there's this trust piece where they have to like go down into the raging waters and just kind of, you know, cross your fingers, let's hope it works, right? Otherwise, like the Ark of the Covenant, like, whoa, 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 you know, it goes down the river. That's how I envision it. I'm sure that's not what their fear was. They had to trust. They had to trust that it would work, that God's presence would halt the waters. They had to trust that God's presence was greater than what they would face. Because if they weren't willing to face the river, then what was next was going to be even, even more impossible. And it's always those first steps for us as Christians where we have to say, God might be asking us to do something weird. God might be asking us to do something beyond our comfort zone and what we've ever done. And he might take us places that Etna Green Church of Christ has never gone before. But we have to be willing to say, I will step into the river. I will go into the community where I've never been. I will talk to someone about Jesus who I've never talked to about him before. You're going to have to trust that God's way works. That God can melt hearts. That God can convict us of our sins. That God can change lives. That God can redeem you. That God can save even you. And he can save a neighbor. He can save a friend. He can save a brother or a sister. He can redeem a mom or a dad. He can help. Whatever is going on, then we can trust that wherever God is going and whatever is next, that God is going with us and that God's presence is greater than whatever trials we might face. Because he's greater than the Jordan, he's greater than Jericho, he's greater than the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Girgamashites, and he's greater than all of them, and he's greater than the pain and the hurt in our own lives. And he invites us to believe. Believing is not just affirming something to be true, it's also stepping into the river. It's knowing that God says, I will stop the waters, and you're willing to step into them. I opened, friends, with maybe an uncomfortable illustration because... Because I wanted to be sensitive to what I'm about to say. It's time for the Church of Christ in Etna Green to ask the question, what would you like to do now? And we need to ask that question with a 100,000% sensitivity to the people we love and the people who've gone before us. There are people that I have dearly loved who are no longer with us. I think about my sweet neighbor, even though she tried breaking into my house one time. <laughs> and the friendship that I had with Jean Price and the stories that were shared. A special woman of God who was a prayer warrior and sang like an angel. I think of my friendship with her and I think... Todd and Davey, I think, Todd of your mom, and the special woman that Charlotte Slaybaugh was, and the prayer warrior that she was, and the wise counselor that she was. And I think of Kay Mason, and I think of Harold Walter, 
and I think of Lowell and Helen Zentz, and I think of people that I have loved and walked with and know and treasure, and I think when we ask the question, where do we go now? It is not a question to say that what they have done and where, what mattered then shouldn't still matter now. It's a question of where is God taking us? And I, the reason why I bring all of that up is because those people who crossed the river, they left family in the sand behind them. They buried their parents. And they left them behind to go where God was taking them. And God asked the question, what do you want to do now? And the answer was, we want to go where you're taking us. And they do not stand there on the other side of the Jordan in spite of them, but because of them. They made it that far because they were faithful enough to trust God to lead them out of Egypt. And they weren't perfect. They made their mistakes, trust me. Just like all of us have. But it was a question. Where do we want to go? And what do we want to do? And so we don't ask this question with an insensitivity. Hear me with all of my heart. I love them. And I know that they would say to us, go where the Lord is leading you. Go to where God is asking you to go and say what God is asking you to say and love who God is asking you to love because you'll never get there if you don't. The entire book of Deuteronomy was about how do we love God, not in the wilderness, but in the promised land. It was a book entirely about when you get there. Observe these commands. Honor your father and mother. Teach these things to your children. And so I I have a, a question. Jennifer didn't know she was providing me such a great illustration. It was her own sermon in the bag. Our story says that they carried the rocks on their shoulders, so just pretend with me that they were this big, right? I don't think I'm going to be able to stack them very high. We'll go with... Anybody have any glue? All right, we'll go with that one. All right, that's good, okay. And the story goes, imagine something, you know, much bigger. Okay, thanks. Appreciate your imaginations. And the story says, your children are going to ask questions. Your children are going to ask questions. What is this all about? And they're going to say, well, kids, it's when God stopped the waters and we trusted God and he showed up bigger and better than he ever had in our entire lives. And he gave us exactly what we needed. And we went in and we had homes. And we went in and there was fruit for us. And there was everything that we needed. And God provided for us. And we got to cross the waters on dry ground. Our children are looking to us to point them to the way forward. And my prayer, my hope, 
is that we can look back and we can say that this is the moment when we decided that we were going to let God chart the course, not some visionary leader, not some random guy, not some willy-nilly idea, but because we listened to the Lord who was leading us, leading one another and inspiring us and saying, go and be my children and go and break down the walls of the church and be the church wherever you are, in your workplace, in your home, with your families, with your kids, that you would go wherever God is leading you. Friends, that we would point to this moment and we would say, this is when we consecrated our hearts to God and we said, use with us, Lord, our hearts and our everything that we are, giving ourselves wholly to God, setting ourselves apart for him. that this would be a moment where we would say, God, use me for your kingdom and your glory and your honor. Where is God leading us? I asked the question, or I sort of posed it in that counselor, counseling question. You have the freedom to answer this question on your own. What would you like to do now? Is there a ministry that you want to start? Is there a neighbor that you want to love? Is there a family you want to bless? Is there a Sunday school that you want to lead? Is there an encouragement you want to give? Is there something that God is impressing on your heart? Where is he leading you? What do you want to do now? And we can do that. Not to spite but to stand on the shoulders of the giants of the faith in our community, of people who modeled that for us. And we can say, we're not leaving them behind. We're going where they wanted us to go all along, following every step. I had my sermon written and then my week got a little crazy. I think I'm okay to share, right? You think so? Are you sure? All right, I'll share. Wendy's giving me eyeballs. Okay. Uh, So this week, I picked up my my friend and uh, I picked him up at the airport And I asked him back in February when I found out that Mason was resigning and uh, whatever he was doing. I figure moving forward in his educational journey of blessing others. um, When I heard that, my best friend Rick, um, he's an educator down in Tampa. And I said, maybe you should apply for this job. And I said, I'm not going to get you the job. I'm just going to let people know why a weirdo from Tampa is applying. And so that's all I did, truly. I I stayed out of it. I said, I know nothing, I hear nothing, and I tried to do the best I could to be out of the scenario. Long story short, um, Ricky got hired for the athletic director, vice principal job, and my best friend is moving from Tampa to be a part of Triton. Ricky stood up in my wedding. He was my best man, and I was in his. He does not play golf very well, but we, play, we do play golf. 
And, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know how I feel right now. It's like I'm in cloud nine or whatever. Like I am just pinching myself and thinking, how is this possible that this could work out? And the only way it's possible is because God is good and God cares for us and he cares about our community. And I think he cares about me. And uh, just spending three days with them reminded me how much I needed them in my life. And uh, you guys are great, don't get me wrong. Um, don't hear it that way. But hear that we're getting some, a family, Ricky and Casey, and they have three children, McKenna, Addison, and Luke. And they're right stair, stair step with my kids. And so I dropped them off at the airport, and I found out just a little bit later that Jeremy had called them and offered them the job, and I got to Peru, <laughs> and that was all settled. And uh, from then on, I've been praising God that he's a way maker. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like we sang that song, we've done that song, and it, it wasn't until that moment that that song really meant something to me that really powerfully meant that God does make a way for us. And that's the invitation of the sermon. The invitation of the sermon is for God to be a way maker in your life, to trust him and trust that you can be faithful right where you're at. And God will open up paths you never imagined. Uh, my roommate from college my best friend is coming to be with me. God is good. He's faithful. He cares for you. I'm a mess now. Let's pray and sing. God, we love you. We thank you that you work in our lives in ways that we never imagined. And God, we can try and orchestrate and we can try and control. We can try and do our own thing. But you have shown us over and over again it's better to trust you. And so we ask for forgive, uh, your forgiveness for the times that we have tried inviting you along to our plans and to our ways. Turn our hearts to you. God, your way is so much better than our way. Where you are leading us is so much better than where any one of us might take us. And so, God, we, we trust in your spirit, we trust in your presence, we trust in your love that we can make the next step and we can step into the river trusting and knowing that whatever is next, God, on the other side is your presence and your power and your love and your gifts and your blessings and your strength for us. We thank you, Lord, for those that we love and the sacrifices they've made and the love and the prayers that they've offered for us their blessings, their encouragements, their accountability, their wisdom, their grace, their love. God, we honor you for the ones I mentioned and so many more. We thank you that they sacrificed to get us here and they loved and they cared for us and Lord, we, we stepped forward asking of you, what would you like us to do now? 
Lead us, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.